Welcome to Conservation for Kids, the conservation podcast for kids and families. We explore cool animals and environments from the deepest ocean to the tallest mountain. I'm your host, Samuel Morris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last week, we talked to Dr. Stephen Morris. In this episode, we will once again be joined by Dr. Dorothy Boris, who's going to talk to us about climate change. Before we go to the interview, we're going to play our animal sound. Our animal sounds are a fun way so that you and your family can learn more about an animal. This conservation is serious, but it can also be lots of fun. We're now going to play this week's animal sound. Here it is. Can you guess what this mystery animal is? Feel free to hit pause and to talk to your family about what you think it is. We're now going to go to our interview with Dr. Boris, but we will reveal the answer later in the show. Dr. Boris joined Golden College in 1999 after receiving her PhD in Oceanography and Limnology. She spent a great deal of time studying the integration of faith in science, particularly in the realm of environmental ethics. We met Dr. Boris in Episode 2, where she talked about invasive species. She's also the major author of a report about climate change and Christians called Loving the Least of These. Dr. Boris, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be on. Can you explain what climate change is and what causes it? Well, we use the term climate change as a shorthand, like a nickname for a phenomenon. Of course, climate changes all the time, but humans have an impact on the climate that's bigger than the natural impacts would normally be. So when we talk about climate change, we're really talking about the human caused portion of it. And that occurs when humans add particular types of chemicals to the atmosphere and carbon dioxide, methane, and there are several others that Uh, change the energy balance of the atmosphere so that the atmosphere traps thermal energy. And so the balance of energy coming in and going out has been disrupted. And those gases we call greenhouse gases because the metaphor we use is like a greenhouse where we are in a greenhouse and almost like planes of of glass. I'm not going to argue that that's a great metaphor, but that's where that comes from. And um, primarily, it's the burning of fossil fuels, but cutting down forests and a number of other things will also cause cause the same effect. What are some of the ways that people are trying to solve climate change? Well, when you say solve climate change, there's really two parts to it. One is to solve the problems caused by climate change, and that's usually called adaptation. And adaptation might be something like uh, in a very dry area, building a cistern that for a whole town that could store water in a rainy period for a dry period later. Or it might be having better disaster emergency procedures to protect people in a hurricane because hurricanes are more uh, are larger than they used to be. The second though, is to prevent more climate change. And that really requires that we stop having a net, an excess of greenhouse gases emitted by humans. And to do that, 
it means uh, changing a lot of the ways we do things. So that's called mitigation. And you can't pick one or the other, you have to do both. And those might include just using less resource intensive materials, they include reusing things, not buying as much stuff, not eating as much meat. Meat is very intense in terms of the resources it requires from the environment. Wow, I didn't know that. What are some things that kids and families can do to stop climate change? Well, I think there's a lot of things. And the first thing that I would suggest is finding out what people are doing where you are. So if you live in Sydney, there must be people in your school, your neighborhood, a church group, a civic group that are around you who are already doing things. And my recommendation is to tap into that. But another thing that you could do is to do exactly what you're doing right now. Try to educate yourself and other people about all of these issues. And um, and then, you know, you're too young to vote yet, but at some point you will be old enough to vote and um, to be an, an educated and thoughtful member of society. So that, for example, I know there's a very big controversial um, development plan that's being proposed in West Sydney, and uh, you might have opinions about it or want to write it to your representatives or however your political system works. You are the principal author of a report um, about Christians and climate change. Why should Christians care about climate change? Thanks for asking that. Um, I was actually educated in Mennonite schools. Mennonites are a pacifist group that believe in living simply so you can care for your brothers and sisters on this earth. And, um, and I think that that message has been forgotten in some parts of Christianity. And Christians are called to love God and God clearly cares a lot about the environment and he created this world around us and the fact that that is the case should make us care about it and also because it harms our neighbor and next generation so the document that you're talking about was loving the least of these that's the phrase from the bible addressing a changing environment put out by the national association of evangelicals in america and that's the argument that we are making that if you're going to care about people especially people in poverty you have to care about climate because you can't say you're caring about one while you're not paying attention to the other. How does your faith affect your opinions about climate change and science? I'm not sure it affects my opinions, but it definitely affects my approach. And I think if I were not a person of faith, I might not have thought that I would spend as much time communicating especially to people in the church about about science so i spend a good deal of my time trying to explain science or ideas of science in language that people understand and that connect to their own values um if you value care of people in poverty like many people who are christians do then hearing it 
in the language that you understand is helpful. I think um, I, I do science in part because of my just, I'm awestruck by the natural world. It's just so beautiful and so amazing. And I think that is connected to my faith as well. This is the last question I asked all of my guests. Can you su suggest one action that families can take to make a difference on this topic? Okay. I gave that a lot of thought and I'm gonna give you a homework assignment and that's going to be to Google Project Drawdown and to watch a series of videos that they have called Climate Solutions. Because rather than me giving just one of my pet, here's what to do, I think they have a very positive and informational way of rolling out some things that can be done. I did say before though, eat less meat. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. And one is that you can feed a lot more people if you have a plant-based diet than if you eat a lot of meat. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that works scientifically, but it's true. And some uh, types of meat are very, very greenhouse gas uh, emitting and water intensive. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Bors. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be with you. I am thrilled that you are doing this project. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Dr. Bors. We're now going to listen to the animal sound one more time. <laughs> This is your final chance to guess, so lock in that answer. This week's mystery animal was the polar bear. Polar bears are the largest carnivorous land mammal and have four inches of fat to keep them warm. They are native to the Arctic Circle or the North Pole. Polar bears are great swimmers. Because of how much time they spend in the water, scientists have classified them as marine mammals. Polar bears have a non-slip surface on their paw pads, allowing them to grip to the ice. They have strong legs and large flattened feet with webbing between their toes, which helps them with swimming and walking on ice. Polar bears are solitary but come together to mate. As sea ice disappears due to global warming, polar bears are left with less and less ice every year. They can only survive in areas where the ocean freezes, allowing them to hunt seals living under or on the ice. So the polar ice caps melting is a huge threat to them. A special thank you to today's guest, Dr. Bors. We're going to take a mid-season break, but we will be back in a couple of weeks with more Conservation for Kids. So stay tuned. I'm your host, Samuel Morris, and you've been listening to Conservation for Kids. Conservation for Kids is inspired by a project from my school, St. Rose Grammar School in Sydney, Australia. I'd like to thank the Year 6 teachers, Mrs. Watson and Ms. Cullen, and our mentor, Ms. Bodenay, for their support. Backing services are provided by Melanie Morris, and our executive producer is Peter Morris, and I'm your host, Sammy Morris.